Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes. Hey, wherever you're watching from, I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Hey, this is a true funny story, but right when I graduated high school, I got a part-time job at a sporting goods store. And I'll never forget what happened during a shift. This is a true story. I was organizing some merchandise when an older gentleman, this was a gentleman that I had helped just a few minutes earlier, he walked up to me and he said, and I still remember it as clear as day. He said, hey, I work for a company. It's clear to me that you have the looks. And so if you're interested in modeling, here's my business card, give me a call. I can almost hear you laughing through the screen, okay? But hey, you know, look, I'm a millennial. And so, you know, I'm, I'm used to receiving trophies for just participating, uh, getting gold stars for just showing up. This is kind of the millennial way. So this was very on par for the course. And so I thought, you know, finally, here it is. My big break has finally arrived. I knew the fashion industry would eventually look for models under six feet. Okay, five foot eight. Uh, I don't want to lie. We're doing church right now. Uh, so after the shift, I go home log into the website on my computer because we didn't have smartphones yet. I press enter on the website and up pops up a Halloween costume rental store. And that's the story of why I hate Halloween. But if you're joining us for the first time, our church, we've been in a series about identity. And identity, it's so important because how we view ourselves, it directly impacts how we live our lives. See, when I first received that business card, I mean, I walked around that store like I was the man, right? I was like, I'm quitting. Y'all are going to see me on fashion magazines. Peace. But after I saw the website, I went to bed early, uh, mostly because I was, you know, lying in my a fetal position, but also because I had to prepare for an early shift the next day. How we view ourselves, it directly impacts how we live our lives. And so the Christian worldview, whether you identify yourself as a Christian or whether you're kind of exploring the Christian faith, the Christian worldview says that God gives to his people an identity. In other words, Christians, we're not those who strive to achieve an identity for ourselves. Instead, we freely receive an identity from him. Now, this is really good news because this means that the pressure is off. The pressure is off to achieve, but the participation is on to live out of our achieved, our, our given identity from Jesus. And so the last few weeks, we've been journeying through different identity markers of the Christian faith. But today, uh, we're gonna see an identity marker that may surprise you and catch you off guard. Because the Bible says that we as Christians, we are strangers in the world. Strangers in the world. Peter the apostle, he puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Now, uh, in this verse, Peter here, he is commanding Christians to live a particular way, namely to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against the soul. But notice he roots, he anchors this behavior in their already received identity by calling them strangers and exiles, strangers and exiles. Now, right off the bat, this raises all sorts of questions. Questions like, wait, why would Peter call them and us 
strangers and exiles in this world. I mean, why, why is being a stranger even beneficial? Why is it even advantageous? In fact, what does it even mean to be a stranger and an exile? So today we're gonna spend some time first unpacking this phrase, strangers and exiles, to understand what Peter means. And then we're gonna dive into some of the amazing implications of this identity. But first, let's start with some uh, definition. What does Peter mean by strangers and exiles? Let's start with strangers. The word strangers in the original Greek, it, it actually combines two words, the word house and alongside, to literally mean alongside the house. This is almost a word picture that depicts a foreigner, someone who is living and dwelling in a place that they don't really feel at home. It's not quite home. They live along the place, but they don't live in the house as a member of that family. They live alongside the very people who belong. In other words, to be a stranger, it's to be a resident alien. To be a stranger is to be a foreigner who is living and dwelling in a place that is not quite one's own home. You know, I um, distinctly remember feeling this way during one part in my life. See, I was born in Seoul, which is the capital of, of South Korea. Um, this is a picture on the screen of me and my family. That's me at the age of three. Um, I was a Korean model before BTS showed up. But Korea was, it was our home. You know, it, we were familiar with the customs, the values, the language. It was our life and home. But at the age of six, our family, we moved to sunny California. And I remember when we arrived, the first thing that I saw, it was the incredible golden arches of McDonald's. But then very soon, it struck me that I was actually a foreigner in the land that I was living in. I mean, our street, we could not communicate with anyone on our street. I remember the first time our family, we went to McDonald's. I watched my, my intelligent parents struggle to, to order food at a fast food restaurant. And then there was also a time when, when I was really traumatized because uh, the first time a plumber walked into our house, I mean, you're not going to believe this. He walked into our house with his shoes on. I, I know, I, I, I couldn't believe it either. Uh, so we had to call the carpet repair people right afterwards. And then there, I had to learn a brand new language. This is a true story. Do you know how I learned English? By watching Sesame Street. So parents, TV works. You know, I remember my first grade teacher, she was so sweet and intentional towards me. I remember one time her saying to me, um, Okay, bong. And I was like, I don't know why she's calling me bong right now. I'm bang. Okay, bong. This is a house. House. Can you say house? And I said, uh, you know, yeah, we learned that common noun uh, last week. Elmo taught me that on PBS. And I think we counted up to 10 houses. One house, two house. I was living in California, but I felt like I was living alongside California. That's the way that Peter is using the word strangers to describe Christians. He's saying, Christians, you are resident aliens in this present world as we know it. We may live here, we dwell here, but we don't quite belong here right now. That's the word strangers. Now there's a second word, and this is the word exiles. Now the word exiles, it means the same thing. It carries the same connotation as strangers, but with one added layer which is it carries the idea of temporary residence. In other words, to be in exile is to be someone who is living in a land and residing in a land temporarily 
not permanently in a land that is not one's own. I remember one time my wife and I felt this way. We uh, were on our return flight from our honeymoon to Bali, Indonesia. We had an amazing time. And on our way back, we had a layover, a 24-hour layover in Japan. So we got to spend an entire day in Japan. And when we were there, to be honest, my wife and I, we felt like total foreigners. We didn't understand the language. We had no idea what was going on. But here was the feeling that was most pronounced. What was most pronounced was this sense that we were only staying in Japan for a little bit. I mean, every, I, was, I kept glancing at my watch, every hour that was passing by, it was a reminder to us that we're just kind of passing through. And so we treated Japan kind of for what it was. I mean, we uh, you know, picked some places to go eat and to see, but it's not like we bought furniture for our hotel room. Right? We didn't stock up on groceries. We weren't dreaming about how to lay our roots in Japan. No, we appreciated Japan for what it was, but we, treat, we didn't treat it for more than what it was. We were just passing through impermanence. That's the idea of exiles. So when we combine these two words, strangers and exiles, Peter is communicating the idea that Christians were not quite at home here. We belong to a kingdom elsewhere. We're not quite at home here in this world because we belong to a kingdom that's elsewhere. This world is just temporary. Our citizenship, it's somewhere else. We're just passing through this world as we know it. It is not permanent. And so therefore we live in, but we don't quite fit in. Oh, we live in, We engage with the world. We love those around us. We enjoy the good gifts that God has given to us here. We live in, but we don't quite fit in. See, there's something about the values and and the customs of our culture and this fallen world that we don't feel quite at home yet because we're passing through. We are not quite at home here because we belong to a kingdom elsewhere. And this theme is actually really pervasive in the Christian worldview. We see this in in the story of the Bible. Uh, We see that people, God's people throughout history, such as Abraham who who left home, or the nation of Israel who were familiar with with wandering, they they were familiar with living as strangers in a world that was not their home. They lived in, but did not quite fit in. We see this in the declarations of scripture. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Hebrews 13.14 says that we do not have a lasting city here, but we seek the one that is to come. We live in, but don't quite fit in. Even classic Christian works have said the same thing. This is why one of the most famous Christian works, The Pilgrim's Progress, which is about the character Christian who is trying to reach the celestial city, it has resonated with so many. We live in, but don't quite fit in. Even bands, that will not show up on Christian radio have also said that this is what Christians believe. The band Thrice uh, in their song, In Exiles, their chorus says this, my heart is filled with songs of forever. The city that endures when all is made new. I know I don't belong here. I'll never call this place my home. I'm just passing through. We're not quite at home here. We belong to a kingdom elsewhere. Can I be honest? This makes me feel uncomfortable because I feel like I'm being sentenced to a lifetime of my junior high experience of not fitting in. It feels like I'm wearing a Halloween costume when it's not Halloween. 
Because let's be honest, isn't it so much easier to just fit in and just be like everyone else? Where you know you don't have to have that weird conversation on Monday with your coworkers or your classmates or your friends when they ask you, "Hey, so what did you do this weekend?" or "What do you think about cultural issue X?" Where you don't have to stand out as being odd or just be unfollowed on social media. So why, why, why does God give us the identity of strangers and exiles that we live in but don't quite fit in? Well, I think there are some beautiful implications that flow out of this identity that I believe will encourage you and inspire you. We're going to see two implications from this identity. Here's implication number one: to not belong here, it speaks to our privilege of belonging to Jesus. To not belong here, it speaks to our privilege of belonging to Jesus. In other words, to live in. But not quite fit in. It logically reveals that there is a belonging just somewhere else. See, when you don't feel like you belong somewhere, it actually means that you belong somewhere else. So when the Christian, when we have this sense of not belonging to this world, that really speaks to the. It's evidence that we actually belong to Jesus Himself. Maybe I'll illustrate it this way. Let's talk for a moment about Prince William. So, for those of us who are drawing a blank right now, Prince William is not a character on the Netflix show Bridgerton.、Uh, but for those of us who are sophisticated、uh, enough to search on Wikipedia,、uh, we know that Prince William—he is the Duke of Cambridge. In other words, he is a member of the British royal family. Okay, and that's the family that Matt Redman is a part of, or that's what he keeps telling me.、Uh, he's a member of the British royal family. But just to give you some perspective of what it's like to live as a member of the British royal family, let's just talk about one day in the life of Prince William. Let's talk about his wedding day to Kate Middleton. Okay, so here are some factoids. You ready? Let's talk about the cost of the wedding. Their two wedding cakes cost in total eighty thousand dollars. Their two receptions, wedding receptions, a grand total of eight hundred thousand dollars. Their total wedding cost was reported to be. Thirty-four million dollars. Estimates, estimates say that、uh, security for the wedding, which was provi- provided by the British government, cost up to thirty-three million dollars. That's a really expensive wedding. And what about viewership? What about the attention of the world? Some have said that live TV viewings, some two billion people watch their wedding. In other words, their wedding was pretty much viewed and watched by the entire. World, and this is just one day. I mean, I'll be at a wedding day, but this is just one day of life in the British royal family. But now, let's pretend. Just imagine that Prince William and his family—they decided to move into your neighborhood, and let's just imagine that they just wanted to、uh, just fit in, just quietly assimilate, and just not stick out. I mean, could you imagine their family taking an Uber? Could you imagine running into their family at Target? Where Prince William says to you, "Hey, I'm just trying to be the normal American family." I mean, there's there's something just totally ridiculous about the scenario because we know that they can't just quite fit in because they're not just like everyone else. They're from the royal family of the United Kingdom. They can't just live a normal life. They're not normal. They're from royalty. See, out of the great privilege of who they were born to. They can't have full belonging here, no matter how hard they try, because they're of the royal family of the United Kingdom. 
Okay, so can I, can I preach here for a moment? Do you not know that you, those who have trusted in Jesus, you belong to a divine royal family? Do you not know that you belong to a kingdom that will have no end? Do you not know that you and I, we have been miraculously born again, brought from death to life. And because of that, we belong to His Highness and Majesty, the creator and king of the universe. God is your father. He is your dad. And yet somehow we're just gonna quietly, seamlessly fit and assimilate into the fallen world around us. That's impossible. You're not normal. We can't have a normal life. We belong to Him. And so to not fit in here actually reveals the incredible privilege of belonging to God the Father, which by the way, makes total sense why Peter commanded what he commanded earlier, doesn't it? Remember when he said to abstain from uh, sinful desires that wage war against the soul? He's saying to distance yourself, to keep away from the fleshly lusts of fallen humanity that wage war against our souls even after we've trusted Jesus. Why? Why would he say that? Because, because flowing out of a, the privilege of identity is the privilege of responsibility. Think for a moment uh, about Prince William. What would you think if you saw Prince William digging through the trash heap outside of McDonald's? I mean, at the very least, you would think it'd be a little odd. You'd be perplexed considering that he could eat like the finest of foods since he has his own personal chef. So in the same way, Peter here, he is urging us as Christians. He's saying, hey, look, do you not know who you belong to? I want you to resist the urge of indulging yourself in the trash heap of this world that does not satisfy. Self-absorption, living a self-centered life, it does not satisfy. Reaching your goals and, and fulfilling your ambitions apart from God, it does not satisfy. Fulfilling your fleshly lust, it does not satisfy. But will you turn to Him who you belong to and enjoy His presence in which there are pleasures forevermore because He satisfies. So to belong to Him is to behold Him and that's to be satisfied in Him. So to not belong here, it speaks of the great privilege of you and I belonging to Him. But there's a second incredible, incredible implication of this identity. To not belong here, it speaks to our potential in broadcasting Jesus. It speaks to our potential in broadcasting Jesus. In other words, to not quite fit in, the very idea that we live in but not quite fit in, that very tension carries the potential and opportunity to stand out and live a beautiful life that reflects Jesus in our world. Here's why. Because when you don't fit in, you can stand out. Here's what Peter says in verse 12. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Peter here, this is, this is so remarkable. Peter here, he is not writing to um, the Christians who were a cultural majority. No, they were the marginalized minority. The Christians at this time, they were also being falsely accused of things they were not guilty of. They also lived with a cultural bias, which was bent against them. And yet to them, Peter says, I want you to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, uh, among those who do not believe. The word honorably, it could be translated beautiful. 
attractive, good, lovely. In other words, Peter is saying, I want you to live beautiful and attractive and lovely lives before the watching world so that even when they slander you, when they see your beautiful lives and your good works, they're going to glorify God either because it turns to faith or at sight when Jesus returns. And so Peter is saying, hey, you don't fit in. Stand out. Stand out. Live beautiful, attractive, and compelling lives. Be in the world, but not of the world, but live for the world. And this is exactly how the early church lived. The historian, Michael Green, uh, he, in his book, Evangelism in the Early Church, said this is precisely why a small, marginalized band of Christians flipped the world upside down in just 300 years. That instead, they, instead of trying to fit in with the culture, they embraced their identity as a counterculture. And so the world could not resist their beautiful and compelling lives. They lived in, did not fit in, but stood out. The early church lived this way. Will you and I live this way? Will we live beautiful and attractive lives that compel others to Jesus? What does this look like? Perhaps it it looks like someone who lives a joy-filled life in a joyless world, where we live in a way where we genuinely laugh, our lives are filled with laughter because we don't take ourselves too seriously, and we enjoy the gifts that God has given to us, that life will stand out. Or maybe it it looks like a, a life that is content and grateful in a restless world. A life that lives out of the deep wellspring of gratitude will be a life that stands out. Maybe it looks like a life that pursues excellence without running other people over in a dog-eat-dog world. Or maybe it looks like a life that is humble and willing to reconcile in a culture of outrage. Or maybe it looks like a life that is reasonable and gentle in response in a defensive and accusatory world. You know, I saw an example of this in a beautiful story that I heard recently from a doctor at our North Irvine congregation. Here's what this person shared. I was on an overnight shift at the hospital. I was working with two other doctors who outranked me, one who had a background of a different religion and another who was a self-proclaimed atheist who was hostile towards Christianity. While waiting to be paged, we were discussing topics such as politics and religion when the conversation shifted towards me and they began asking me questions about what I believed. In that moment, I felt scared of being judged. And yet God gave me the courage to share the gospel and be loving at the same time, even when the questions felt one-sided. At the end of our conversation, I was able to recommend the book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Several months later, I ran into one of them again. And to my great surprise, he told me that he bought the book and read it. This person did not quite fit in, but stood out. The commentator, William Barclay, He once said this, here is timeless truth. Whether we like it or not, all Christians, all Christians are an advertisement for Christianity by their lives. They either commend it to others or make them think less of it. The strongest missionary force in the world is the Christian life. So to not fit in 
is the very opportunity and potential of standing out and displaying, broadcasting Jesus to our world. You know, if you think about it, isn't this how our Jesus lived? He left the throne of heaven and he came into this world and he did not quite fit in. He once said that foxes have dens, that birds have nests, but that he, the son of man, had no place to lay his head. Some wanted him to be king. Others wanted him to just keep healing and providing. And some just wanted him dead. He lived in, but did not quite fit in. But he stood out. And we see this nowhere more clearly than when our Jesus took up his cross and he was crucified for my sins and for your sins, displaying the love of God the Father. Our Jesus was a stranger and an exile in this world. But here's what's amazing. Jesus told us and he told his disciples in John 14 that he would depart to prepare a place for them. He said that there were many rooms in, not alongside, but in his father's house, which means that there will come a day when you and I will no longer live as strangers and exiles, but there will come a day when with the global church, we will be home in the presence of our God. Until then, let's not quite be at home here. Let's long for a kingdom elsewhere. All right, extend your hands, please, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week, that you would remind them that you are gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them. I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday Podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.